Today's reading is from Mark chapter 2, verses 18 through 22. Now John's disciples and the Pharisees were fasting. Some people came to Jesus and asked, How is it that John's disciples and the disciples of Pharisee are fasting, but yours are not? Jesus answered, How can the guests of the bridegroom fast while he is with them? They cannot, so long as they have him with them. But the time will come when the bridegroom will be taken from them, and on that day they will fast. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment, otherwise the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins, otherwise the wine will burst the skins, and both the wine and the wineskins will be ruined. No, they pour new wine into new wineskins. Good morning, everyone. Pastor Sharon here. It's good to be in this building preaching to a small group, but preaching as well to all of you. Good to be together. You know, um, I have a question that's probably common for many of us, and that is, what is worth keeping and what needs to be discarded? You know, during the pandemic lockdown, when we had a lot more time at home, I decided to clean out some of my closets. Maybe you did too. And I took a look at some things, like that old fondue pot that we got for our wedding so many years ago. Are we still going to use that again? And then there's the file cabinet, that old wood thing that we don't really use anymore because so many of our records are kept digitally. And I also took a look at, and haven't made a decision yet, about an old, well, it's not that old, it's a laptop we got several years ago, but... We've never liked it. It doesn't function quickly. It it has a lack of speed. Do we keep it? Do we fix it? Do we get rid of it? You know, there are things that might have served a purpose and been effective in the past, but they either wear out or lose their functionality. You know, we've been in this series this last couple of weeks and into the end of May called Renovate, Made New Again. And we're using this image of a home renovation, asking ourselves what God might be doing in our midst, in our church in this season. Are there things that need to change? The pandemic itself has altered our view of the world and the way the church functions. And yet God is not worried. God is not upset about or uncertain about the church. He told Peter and his disciples as he tells us as well. I will build my church, is what Jesus says. And all through the ages that has happened, and I believe renovation is this ongoing process, this ongoing rhythm in our own personal lives and in the life of the church, those of us who seek to follow him. But questions about the old and the new are always before us, and they are at the center of our text from today. The theme for today, or the title is new skins for new wine and as we dig into this passage from the gospel of mark we're going to hear both a warning and an invitation from jesus around three different themes that i'd like to look at first of all questioning jesus what questions were they asking and probing in him then the issue of old wine skins and then what might it look like to pour new wine If you have your Bibles with you, I encourage you to open to the Gospel of Mark. It's the second book in the New Testament. 
uh, Mark chapter 2, we're going to be looking specifically at verses 18 to 22, but I'm also going to look back a bit, so I encourage you to kind of keep this in front of you. Because the, the text that was read for you by Caleb this morning is in the middle of an encounter that Jesus has with people who had been observing him. Mark starts his gospel out really fast, and he has people looking at Jesus right from the very beginning, starting to notice him, and the crowds are starting to come around him to hear him preach, to watch him heal. He was causing quite a stir. But he also prompted a lot of questions from the leaders of his day. You know, Jesus wasn't your conventional rabbi leader. He didn't conform to their expectations. So if you have Mark 2, I want you to look back a little bit because I want you to see all the ways that Jesus' ministry had caused others to question him. Mark in this section weaves together all these different events to build up this sense of controversy. People wondering, who is this Jesus and how, does he, um, how is his ministry impacting us? Is he bringing this fresh word from God? Or is he needlessly threatening the ways that we have understood and experienced God? So here are some of the questions that were asked. Back in the first part of the chapter, it's a story that may be familiar to many of you, where Jesus is gathered and a large crowd has come, and some men come with him, bringing a man, a friend of theirs, who's paralyzed. And when Jesus speaks to this man first and says, your sins are forgiven, the teachers of the law come and glued. I'm like, who, who is he? Does he have authority to do this? Their objection was really only authorized people, only people who spoke for God could forgive sins. And so they charge him with blasphemy misusing the name of God because he's claiming to do something that was reserved only for the divine. And it's interesting how Jesus answers that question. You might remember if you read that passage, he doesn't explain it, he does something. He says to the man, pick up your mat and walk and the man is healed. So the question they're asking here is, Jesus, what authority do you have? You go on in the in the Chapter 2, you see Jesus calling Levi, or Matthew, as one of his disciples, and then joining Levi at his home with a bunch of his friends. But when the Pharisees see the kind of people Jesus is hanging out with, they question his sense of propriety. Tax collectors? Sinners? People who are known to be lawbreakers? You know, the old prescribed way of God-fearing people had been to avoid people who were unclean, this kind of people. And so the question they're asking is, should a holy teacher claiming to speak for God, should they really associate with unclean people? If you look towards the end of the chapter 2, past our text for this morning, you'll see um, controversies that kept coming up with the leaders of that day and that was the way jesus observed the sabbath he his he let his disciples um pick grain out of the field in fact he even one day healed a man right in the middle of the worship service and they were offended by the way that jesus was observing the sabbath they challenged he challenged the ways they understood sabbath keeping 
And so their question was, is Jesus going to keep the Sabbath the way I've always done it? We've always done it. And then today's text. Here the question is about fasting. Is Jesus legitimate in the way he and his disciples choose not to fast? Because they saw in the way John's disciples fasted and the Pharisees' disciples, they saw that this was a highly regarded way of showing your devotion to God. You know, fasting really was like the high watermark for people of that day. It meant they were keeping a meticulous adherence to the ceremonial law. In fact, they practiced fasting on the second and fourth day of every week as a sign of their commitment and devotion. But fasting was also the sign of repentance, a sign of sorrow. And so Jesus says, well, how can my followers fast when I'm with them? He compares it to a wedding. And who would ever want to go to a wedding where they didn't serve food or something to drink? He's saying they can't fast now because I'm here. The guest of honor is here with them. Um, They're called not to fast but to celebrate. You know, as Jesus talks about fasting, it isn't that it was a useless spiritual practice. We know that if we were to look back at the teaching in the Gospel of Matthew, where Jesus tells us, encourages us, and says, when you fast. So it wasn't that he was saying, don't fast, but he was saying something new was coming. Something new was coming in Jesus, and something unexpected and full of joy, and they couldn't fast at the time. A time would come, he says, A time's going to come when the bridegroom, Jesus, is going to be gone. When his death will take him away and then will be the time for fasting. So the question the people are asking Jesus here, the expectation that he's pushing up against is, are you really keeping the rules for a proper life of faith? You know, in all these encounters, these questions of Jesus... The appearance of God's reign in the person and presence of Jesus, it challenged their traditional understandings of faith. He was describing, Jesus was describing a new way. And he gave some very concrete, everyday examples. Old garments and old wineskins. Verse 21 says it this way. Jesus says, of course you understand this. No one sews a patch of unshrunk cloth on an old garment. Otherwise, the new piece will pull away from the old, making the tear worse. And no one pours new wine into old wineskins. It's a reminder of something that everybody there in his audience knew. To attempt to put the new with the old would be disastrous. It would end up in a mess, torn clothes ruined wine you know many of us might enjoy a good wine that's been properly aged and you can imagine the sense of loss of this good batch of juice that has been gathered from the grapes but it isn't stored in a proper container just a little bit of explanation of winemaking in jesus day probably not that um, unusual or different from what we do these days Wine was all stored in containers made from animal skins. And often goat skins were used. They came in various sizes. Might have looked much like this uh, leather bag that would hold the wine. 
And so they would take these wineskins and pour wine in them for storage. And as the wine, new wine begins to ferment and gas is released, then it causes those leather skins to expand. And as the fermentation process continues, the old wineskins, they wouldn't work because they don't flex. They're stiff. They have no pliability. And so they would split open. And the wine would spill and the wineskin would be destroyed and it'd be a mess. You know, old wineskins, they might have been useful in the past, but they're not adequate. They don't work for new wine. Jesus' way of challenging them was saying, the old wineskins of your piety and practice will not contain the new work of my spirit. Now, we shouldn't conclude... As some that I read this week actually put this in some commentaries, and I don't agree with it. We shouldn't simply conclude that the old wineskin is the law and Jesus is the new. Because Jesus said himself, I did not come simply to abolish the law, but to fulfill it. So Jesus isn't saying, get rid of everything in the law in the past. No, he's saying this old wineskin of your religious practices that you have grown so rigid in, they separate you from this life of joy in God. If they were going to have receive Jesus, receive him in new ways, they'd have to adjust their expectations and not try to contain the new in the old forms. Old wineskins, they're inadequate to hold the growing and expanding work of Jesus. As we look at this for ourselves, we might ask a couple of questions related to pouring new wine. Because Jesus says at the end of this passage, you pour new wine into new wineskins. A picture of fresh possibilities, a freshness of something coming. And he's saying, my new way is built with new wine that needs to be poured into new containers. It's no longer compatible with the old. New wine, it, it has this great, rich potential for allowing things to expand and grow if it's in the right environment. An old con- container, an old wineskin, it's not going to do it. In fact, it's going to harm the wine. It's going to be ruined. So what Jesus is saying to his followers who gathered around them in this time was, don't settle. Don't just settle for an overused system of ceremonial law of just adhering to the minute details of piety. Instead, allow the fresh, new work of the Spirit of God to come forth. He's saying to all of those who questioned him, who the controversies around him, what he's saying, don't miss out. Don't insist on this ceremonial rigidness and miss out on what God is doing in his ever-expanding work of the Spirit. And that might be what he's saying to us as well. What is God pouring? What is the new wine God is pouring for us in this day? I think we too can run back to old forms, treasured habits of faith that make us resist the new or see it with suspicion. We can be like those scribes and Pharisees who looked at their religious structures to measure and define their life in God. And I believe that God 
in this time is inviting us, us as the church uh, universal and us as Pine Lake Covenant Church, to consider new wineskins for the new work of the Spirit in our time. I'm just going to give you a couple examples, but the Spirit might be stirring some things in your mind already as you hear these, this scripture. But here's some examples of old wineskins that aren't adequate to hold the new wine. One is the way we engage the community around us. Perhaps in the past we saw to those people out there who need to come to us in our church so that we can give them the right answers. Old wineskins might be like viewing our neighbors simply as people who need to be saved, who need to accept our way of doing things. Assuming we have this, we know the sole way that Jesus is at work and it's definitely just here in the church. So what would pouring the new wine look like in this space? The new wine might be this, that we see our neighbors as those made in the image of God, deeply loved by God, as are we. We recognize our common humanity. We recognize our uh, sinfulness as well. The ways that we too have walked away from God's ways. And as we engage with our neighbors, we go toward them. And instead of expecting them to come to us, rather than seeing ourselves as the hosts we become a guest, a guest to our neighbor's story and a guest to our neighbor's concerns. And we learn from them. And perhaps the new wine that is pouring of the Spirit is that we engage our neighbors, our community in new ways. Here's another possible old wineskin. And that is the way we view our Christian faith, our Christian heritage, only through a predominantly Eurocentric viewpoint. We listen to and rely on people that have come from European ancestry. I was challenged with this myself recently when um, in a group that I'm in, as we talk about the kind of commentaries, the kind of books we read, realizing that most of the things I read were written by white men who got their guidance from European scholars. This is not to say that isn't valuable. There's great value in the work of people like Luther and Calvin and others. But if we only look at our faith through this kind of framework, we're in an old wineskin. So I've purchased new commentaries, one written specifically by African Americans, which talks about the whole New Testament in view of their experience as marginalized people. Pouring out new wine in this might be hearing stories, listening well to people from other cultures, learning, growing, understanding that the faith in Jesus Christ is a universal expression. One last old wineskin, and maybe this is pretty obvious as we gather in uh, transitioning to both online and in person, and that is defining corporate worship in the church as a certain thing. We come together, we sit in our rows, we sing three to four worship songs, we hear a sermon, we pray a prayer, and then we go and have coffee and talk to each other. 
Nothing wrong with that form. It's actually served us well for many years. But is God perhaps doing something new? I think the pandemic has been a gift for the church to think of new ways to break open what had been our way of doing things, to think the gospel might be able to come in fresh ways. doesn't mean just shifting to include a digital audience, which is part of this, but also re-examining the ways we do church, the ways we define what it means to meet with God. And the pouring of the new wine here, I don't know what it's going to look like. Perhaps we'll be experimenting with some new ways of gathering together. But God will meet us. The Spirit will stir as we shift ways and are open to the work of the Spirit. New wine. New cloth. You know, God often looks for new wineskins because the old ones won't stretch anymore. Are you willing to stretch? Are the old ways of doing church, of dis- describing the kingdom of God, are they, are they so rigid, inflexible, that we are missing a work of the Spirit? I saw this um, writing from Mark Roberts recently in a devotional he does called Life for Leaders. He says this, We can find it easy to contain the new wine of Jesus in the wineskins of our familiar religious practices. We are nervous, if not resistant, when gospel points to new ways of being and doing. We prefer to reuse our old wineskins because they are comfortable and reassuring. This is both a warning and an invitation to us as the church. Do we prefer to reuse old wineskins because that's comfortable for us? Or is Jesus, through the work of the ever-present Spirit, pouring new wine right now into our community, into our hearts? We need to decide what's worth keeping and what needs to be discarded. Because the message and life of Jesus continues to be scandalous, even intoxicating in our day. He challenges our expectations, our old wineskins of churchianity and he says my kingdom is bigger than this let the wine of the spirit of christ the wine of the gospel pour into us and may we be ready to receive it with the new skins he has for us in this day i invite you to pray with me oh lord we we thank you that you in your time on earth showed us a new way. And we recognize the questions and resistance that comes from those who had a certain way of seeing the faith. We confess, Lord, we are the same. We see our life of faith and the gospel of Jesus in certain ways, and you want to pour new wine. So I pray for us as a church that we would be open to the new work of your spirit. We thank you that in many ways it's old wine that we receive as we do in communion a reminder that your sacrifice was once for all and yet it's new wine fresh to us every day may we be willing may we be ready to have new wineskins for your new wine we pray it in the name of father son and holy spirit amen